Class is in session. Welcome to Sports School. I'm your host, Coach Dwayne, regular teacher with a sports mind. And so, let's address why is there a teacher doing a sports podcast. Well, quite frankly, uh, a lot of you have pointed out that apparently I sound like Chris Broussard. And... I decided to ask my students if that was the case, and out of the almost 200 students that I teach, only like three of them had any idea who I was talking about, and it was very disheartening, and I decided that maybe I needed to do something more sports-related so that what I wanted to talk about was more relevant to my audience, Um, which apparently is not the children that I teach, but... Uh, It is spring break for me as far as being a regular teacher, but it is not spring break here in sports school. We got a lot going on. It is the Elite Eight. It's the Elite Eight. Um, NBA basketball trade deadline just went through. You got people being bought out and joining new teams. MLB's about to start. Uh, Football had some crazy trades, and that's where we're going to start with our grades for today. We're going to start with the big three-team trade. (coughs) Um... Between the Miami Dolphins, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Philadelphia Eagles. And getting an A in this deal is the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. I don't I don't understand how other teams that Miami traded with did not understand what Miami was doing. Miami is able to pick up additional picks. They're able to move back. Three spots and moving from three to six, they are able to get the same guy, probably, probably the same guy, or at least one of the top two guys on their board that they would have got at three. The the strong belief is that Miami is looking for a dominant wide receiver. There's three big time wide receivers uh, in this draft, one big time tight end. If, if you count Kyle Pitts. I don't think Miami's looking at Kyle Pitts. Uh, they have Gasicki. They, they need more of an outside guy. But I think at six, Miami's still going to have the opportunity to get Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, or Devontae Smith. All three of them, or, or at least two of them, should be on the board uh, when Miami picks at six. Uh, if those are the top three guys on their board, moving back to six and picking up additional picks will help Miami quite a bit. The think the reason that I, I love what Miami is doing is that they, they're prepared to build through the draft. This year they have two first round picks, two second round picks, two third round picks, two fourth round picks, two fifth, uh, a plethora of sixth and sevenths, just picks, 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 uh, looking to rebuild that roster, infuse that roster with good young talent. And this is a team that was only a couple of wins away from their division and and a win away from the playoffs last year. So I really, I really like what Miami is doing, building picks, building picks, building picks. In 2022, Miami is looking at two firsts um, and two, two thirds um, as an ability again to continue building. Uh, And then in 2023, they have two firsts uh, in that draft as well. So Miami Doing a great job stockpiling picks, looking like they're trying and attempting to build this roster um, through the draft, 
And, you know, if if Miami wants to make a big move, if a guy like, and and we don't know uh, what what is going to happen with Deshaun Watson, but if a guy like Russell Wilson comes open on the market uh, next year, maybe even Aaron Rodgers uh, gets unhappy in Green Bay and he comes open, Miami has stockpiled the picks that they would need to make a run at that guy if Tua proves to, to not be that answer at quarterback or if Tua doesn't take that step moving forward. So as far as this three-team trade is concerned, Miami definitely gets an A. Um, Big-time move. Um, and they look like they're just they're going for it. That this is they want to be, they want to be relevant. They want to build around Tua. They want to put talent, um, and they're you know going to be able to do that while stockpiling picks over the next couple of years, uh, which is which is a big 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 deal. Um, as far as the rest of the players in this trade are concerned, I love what Miami did. San Francisco. I'm going to talk about them a little bit later. I I do not understand the 49ers depending on who they draft depending on who they draft and, and what they do with the quarterback position um but I, I i think they gave up quite a bit the rumor is that they are potentially moving up to go get mac jones i've spoke about mac jones many times mac jones if that is the move john lynch will lose his job mac jones is going to cost john lynch or any gm that drafts him early in the first round their job. Now, if San Francisco moves up to go get a guy like Trey Lance, a guy that many believe is going to need to wait a year and they can keep Garoppolo and Garoppolo's not going to ask out, which I'm not sure is going to happen, then maybe I can get it and I can understand you take that guy that you can build, you can groom, uh, and then you can move with him. I don't think the pick is Justin Fields um, as a Falcons fan and watching Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. Justin Fields doesn't seem like his type of quarterback. Um, you saw it in, in Washington when he had Robert Griffin and Kirk Cousins. He he seemed to game plan better with Kirk Cousins at quarterback than he did with the, the style that Robert Griffin III wanted to play with. So I don't think Justin Fields is the Shanahan type of quarterback. Um, I don't think they moved up to get any other position but quarterback. I don't think Lawrence obviously is not going to be there. I don't think Zach Wilson is going to be. I think the Jets have fallen in love with Zach Wilson. I think he's their guy. And I, I think the 49ers are, are moving up to take either Trey Lance or Mac Jones. If it's Trey Lance, I like what Shanahan did. I, I like the trade here. If it's Mac Jones, I don't. I, I absolutely do not like it. But the team that I'm really confused about is Philadelphia. I don't understand Philadelphia's decision to move from 6 to 12. Um... Philadelphia needs talent, and I don't know who they're targeting. Um, they got rid of the majority of their wide receivers, so staying at six would have made sense for the same reasons I said I liked Miami at six. One of those top receivers would have been there. Uh, it looks, it's starting to look more and more likely that Philadelphia is going to trade Zach Ertz, being in the position to take a guy like Kyle Pitts. Uh, possibly, if Kyle Pitts slides down the board, that would have been a great spot to be. I just... I don't understand Philly's decision to move down. Now, if you wait until draft night and the first round doesn't go the way Philadelphia expects it to go, and then you make a move like this, maybe I get it. But doing it this early uh, without knowing how the draft is going to play out 
uh, without knowing who may slide. Didn't really make sense to me why why Philadelphia made that move. But Miami definitely gets an A uh, in that three-team deal. Love it. Love what they're doing for the present, for the future. Uh, that, that team is going to be dominant in the very, very near future, especially if Tua... Now, I'm, I'm not convinced that Tua is the quarterback to take them to that next level. But if I'm wrong, which I have been before, and Tua takes that next step, then Miami is going to be a force. And, and Brian Flores has proven to be a great coach. He's, he's building his teams. The GMs are doing a great job. I love what Miami is doing. Moving on, getting a B, moving on to the NBA. Uh, Andre Drummond signs with the Los Angeles Lakers. I think this is a great move for Los Angeles. Um, I think the Lakers needed to make a move like this. I think Drummond was the best player available on the buyout market. I know that's apparently up for debate, which I, I don't see why that is. Um, some people would have said Aldrich. Uh Whiteside, if he had come available, would have made sense in Los Angeles. But I, I love Andre Drummond to the Lakers for, for a multitude of reasons. One, the Lakers were a G League team currently without, without LeBron and without Anthony Davis. And they were at risk of falling out of the playoffs. Um, and you, you get a guy like Andre Drummond now. Is Andre Drummond that superstar, that transcendent, can change the game on his own type of guy? No, maybe not. But he's a double-double monster. And if you need a bucket, you can dump the ball down to Andre Drummond and he can get you a basket. Um, the other thing that Andre Drummond is going to bring to the Lakers is rebounding. They are atrocious. Atro just absolutely bad on the boards. And, and Andre Drummond is going to bring that. Andre Drummond has three 2020 games this year. By I mean, by not even close to being competed with as far as 2020 games. He's got three of them. He's a double-double machine. Um, he's going to go into Los Angeles, and while LeBron and AD are out, he's going to average 20 and 15. Andre Drummond is going to average 20 and 15 while AD and LeBron are out, and he's going to keep the Lakers in that middle of the road in the Western Conference um, and then when Anthony Davis comes back, the presence of Andre Drummond is going to allow Anthony Davis to play the four, not necessarily play the five. He's going to play the four where he likes to be. Um, he'll be able to space out. Uh, LeBron comes back, and then all of a sudden you have 6'8", 6'11", 6'11". You got a guy that you can dump the ball down to. You got a big that can dribble uh, in Anthony Davis out on the outside. You got LeBron, who's always a threat. <clears throat> and then those other pieces that they have um, can kind of go back to roles that they're better suited for. Kyle Kuzma is a great player. He's better suited to be a spark plug coming off the bench. Montrez Harrell, great player, better suited to come off the bench. Mark Gasol used to be a great player, better suited to not play. Um, Dennis Schroeder uh, will be a much better point guard and facilitator of the Laker offense with all of the pieces back. But I do like the pick and roll combinations uh, with Andre Drummond, with Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder, very quick. Uh, with the basketball, um, Andre Drummond is big, going to set very hard screens uh, when he rolls to the basket. Are there a lot of guys that can stay with him? We'll see. We'll see. But I think Drummond is going to allow the Lakers to stay in the playoff hunt, to stay relevant. Um, and then when that team comes back, potentially takes them uh, the next step, can fill that role that, that Dwight Howard and 
JaVale McGee filled for them last year, except better. He's he's better than both of those guys. He's better than Dwight Howard at this point in Dwight Howard's career. He's better than JaVale McGee. Um, even at this point in his career, he's better than JaVale McGee. So I like the move. I think it's great for the present. It's great for the playoffs. It's great for the Lakers. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see. Can the Lakers hold on? I think Drummond can keep them in that four to six range. I don't think they fall all the way out of the play. Now, if they had missed on Aldrich on and on Drummond, I think the Lakers would have been in trouble. Uh, but they didn't. They're able to get Drummond. I think he's going to be able to anchor them in that four to six range. I don't think, uh, unless LeBron comes back earlier than expected, they're going to climb back into that top three. I don't think they're going to fall all the way out. I don't even think they're going to fall further than six in the Western Conference. But I like the move. I like the move for the Lakers. The, the C for today goes to super teams in the NBA. Super teams in the NBA. And I give it a C for a multitude of reasons. One, contrary to what people, like, it's recency bias with the NBA. If you do some research, super teams are not a, a new thing. It's not, it, it's happened for years. The Lakers were a super team. The, the, with Magic, Kareem, Worthy, that's a super team. Now, the difference was, maybe that team was built with a GM and the players didn't build it, but it was a super team. Those Celtics teams, and this isn't the big three Celtics. I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about Pierce, Garnett, Ray Allen Celtics. I'm talking about the Celtics with Bird, Havlicek, Parrish, Bill Walton joined that team. Like, this idea of super teams has been around. The Rockets were a super team. People seem to forget that Barkley went to play for the Rockets. Pippen went to play for the Rockets. Uh, at one point, it was, I think it was Olajuwon, Drexler, and Barkley. We're all on the same team. So, then they came together to beat Jordan's Bulls, which one could argue was a super team. You, you get Jordan. You get Pippen. You get Rodman. You get Harper, who was not originally on that team. Rodman and Harper both signed to come to play for the Bulls. Kerr signed to come and play for the Bulls. So, um, super teams were a thing. They've always been a thing. Everyone wants to point to LeBron and blame LeBron, and LeBron's the reason that super teams exist when he went to Miami. I wouldn't say LeBron is the reason super teams exist. LeBron is the reason that players can now form their own super teams. Um... LeBron went to, I mean, this has happened multiple times. People teamed up and came together to try and beat Jordan's Bulls. People teamed up to try to beat Magic's Lakers. People teamed up to try and beat the Bad Boy Pistons. I mean, it, it, it happens. LeBron formed a big three in Miami to get past the Celtics, and it worked. And then all of a sudden, teams started formulating their version of super teams to get past the Miami Heat. KD joins the Warriors because he couldn't get past the Warriors and the Warriors couldn't get past LeBron. So the two sides join together. <clears throat> my thing, my thing is this. Let, let's play revisionist history here. Let, let's, let's think back. And shout out to my boy Justin. I see you in the comments. He agrees with me. He thinks Andre's gonna go crazy. Andre Drummond gonna go crazy for the Lakers too. AD returns. I'm telling you, 20 and 15 for Andre Drummond till, till Anthony Davis comes back. But let's, like I said, let's go back. Let's play revisionist history. 
OKC Thunder, the team the team that Dur when Durant was there, you had Durant, you had Westbrook, you had Harden. You had Ibaka. If somehow that team is able to stay together, you know, we're able to keep that team together, are we complaining about that team being a super team? No, the 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 complaint isn't the 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 Thunder wouldn't be looked at as a super team because the GM drafted all of those guys. Golden State, prior to Kevin Durant going there, was not looked at as a super team because the GM drafted all of those guys. So my my thing, I understand why people don't like super teams and all of these guys are coming together and what happened to competition and wanting to beat these guys. I understand that. But it's ignorant to ignore that super teams haven't existed all the, all this time. That it's, to pretend that super teams are, are just now a thing is false. That's just not, it's not a accurate narrative of what has been going on and what is happening. The difference was that GMs built their super teams then. And now the players are kind of forming their own super teams. Now, the reason this gets a C is because I do not like that some players seem to be tanking, for lack of a better word, so that they can get out of their situations and, and go join a super team. I don't like that. And James Harden did it. And he, if James Harden wants to come on this podcast and argue with me that he did not, I will tell James Harden, yes, you did. You tanked. In Houston, so you could get out of there, so they would get rid of you. Arguments could be made that Blake Griffin did the same thing in Detroit because he didn't want to be there anymore. So that part I don't like, but I also don't like this criticism of super teams and this acting like super teams hasn't always been a thing. The difference is, is that players have more power now, and players are are kind of building their their own super teams as opposed to the GMs building these super teams. Um, I do think the Nets are going to be very hard to stop. Now, I do think people that are jumping all over the Nets about these new additions need to understand that you're not getting LA Clippers, Blake Griffin. You're not getting Portland Trailblazers, LaMarcus Aldridge. You're getting big names, but you're getting big names that are out of their prime. I don't think Blake Griffin or LaMarcus Aldridge help Brooklyn's biggest problem, and that is defense. It shores up their bench. It gives them some bench scoring. It allows, you know, if, if Durant needs to come off the floor, can you ask LaMarcus Aldridge to be prime LaMarcus Aldridge for 10 to 15 minutes? Sure. Sure. He could probably be that guy for 10 to 15 minutes. But um, I just I just don't like it. That's another guy that you could argue tanked his way out of San Antonio. Uh, we'll see when he joins the Nets. If he goes back to scoring like 17 to 20 a game, then yeah, you would argue that's not the same LaMarcus Aldridge that was in San Antonio. That's the part that I don't like. But I also don't like everyone that's criticizing this idea of super teams as if they haven't always existed. Moving on, getting the D, it is about time for Major League Baseball and all the people that are assuming, and this is, uh, I got to... My old friend, Mike, he lives in Orange County. He's a big, he's going to want to plug his ears here. The assumption that Mike Trout is going to be the best player in Major League Baseball this year is not fair. It, 
you're not wrong to say that Mike Trout has been the best player in Major League Baseball, but to act like this, it's a foregone conclusion, Mike Trout's going to be the best player, there's no one that's going to be even close, I don't know about all that. Anyone that watched Mookie Betts with the Dodgers last year that one, that doesn't think Mookie Betts is in the argument for best player in baseball doesn't follow baseball. That's a guy who single-handedly changed not one, but two different playoff series. Dodgers down 3-1 in the NLCS. He single-handedly changes that series defensively, offensively, on the base pass. That's something Mike Trout's never done that. We've never seen Mike Trout do that. So to say that Mookie Betts can't be in the conversation for best player in Major League Baseball this year, that's not fair to Mookie Betts. Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr., two younger guys, two younger guys, but five tool players, great defensively, both have solid power. Acuna probably has a little bit more speed on the base pass than Soto. Fun to watch. Tatis Jr., same way, to say that Acuna, so, uh, Acuna or Tatis Jr. couldn't be 45-45 home run stolen bases and win the gold glove? Is that an unrealistic expectation? No. No, it's not. And again, these are things you... Mike Trout hasn't done that. So, uh, Soto, he's a home run hitter. Judge, Aaron Judge is always... I, I mean, if you told me that Aaron Judge is going to break... Barry Bonds' a single-season home runs record, I wouldn't be shocked. It's not like I would sit here and be like, oh my gosh, no way, not that guy, that's impossible. There's no way he's going to do it. If you've watched Aaron Judge play baseball, you would know it's possible. It wouldn't shock me if Aaron Judge bunted a home run one day. Like, he's got that much power. Francisco Lindor. If Lindor goes to the Mets and makes them relevant and puts up big time Frankie Lindor numbers and carries that offense. Is it hard to argue that Francisco Lindor is the best player in major league baseball? What if DeGrom goes out and has another year like he did last year? Could you argue that Jacob DeGrom is the best player in major league baseball? Now it's hard to argue pitchers because they don't play every day, but these are not um, asinine arguments. These are not, insane thoughts that these guys can compete with Mike Trout to be the best player in baseball. Yet, there are people out there that are saying, no, it's Mike Trout. Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. The reason that this doesn't get an F is because I agree that Mike Trout past couple of seasons has been the best player in baseball. But to act like, again, to act like there are not players out there that can compete for that, that status this year is unfair to the talent that is in baseball. And the last, the failing grade for the day is anyone who, I'm tired of hearing, I'm tired of hearing the Mac Jones to Matt Ryan comparison. I'm, I'm tired of hearing it. Matt Ryan had Boston College as a top 10 school in the country in football. Boston College. Mac Jones, Mac Jones had NFL wide receivers, an NFL offensive line, an NFL defense, and you're trying to compare this guy to Matt Ryan. Who was Matt Ryan's Devontae Smith? Who was Matt Ryan's Najee Harris? Who was Matt Ryan's Jalen Waddle? Who, 
It didn't exist. It, the, these two guys are not the same. You can't compare Boston College Matt Ryan to Mac Jones. Mac Jones is, and I and I, I somebody else said this today, and I, I thought it was perfect. Mac Jones is a combination of two people. He's Tua all over again. Because the same argument I, I'm making about Mac Jones, I've made about Tua. Tua had NFL talent against not NFL defenses. And you saw Tua regress when he got to the when he got to Miami. But he's a combination of Tua and Ken Dorsey at Miami. Ken Dorsey at Miami had all the talent, all the weapons on offense, the offensive line, the defense. He had Willis McGahee behind him. Ken Dorsey is Mac Jones. A guy who played the quarterback position on a dominant team, put up big-time numbers, but everybody around him was NFL-caliber players. And so... Did Mac Jones make everyone better? Or did everyone make Mac Jones better? Same way, did Ken Dorsey didn't make everybody better. Everyone made Ken Dorsey better. So these comparisons between Mac Jones and Matt Ryan, maybe, maybe down the road, maybe that, that's a thing we can talk about as far as comparing their NFL careers, but comparing their college resumes doesn't make any sense at all. Doesn't make any sense at all. Mac Jones is not and should not be compared at all to Matt Ryan as far as their college resumes go. So I'm going to bring in a co-teacher for today that's going to further talk about the the big time trade that was made, the three team deal. He's been on the he's been on the show before. He's a big 49ers fan has some interesting thoughts on, on this trade for the 49ers. It's Coach Shaka Smith. Coach Smith, how you doing today, man? Hey, I'm doing fine, man. <laughs> so I just... Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. So I just went over. I've gone over the trade. Um, I've gone over, kind of reminded everyone uh, that I have said that whatever GM drafts, Mac Jones will lose their job. And so I'm curious of a couple of things. You're a big 49ers guy. You're a big 49ers fan. When the trade initially went through, before the rumors came out about who they were drafting, what were your initial thoughts when you first saw it? Uh, I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> you uh, gave up a lot. You gave uh, up more than yeah, Seattle gave up to get Jamal Adams. Exactly. And I was in shock. Because I was like, why are we giving up this much to move up to three? I mean, it sounds like you would give up that much to move up to two or one, not to three. And so when I said we're moving up, to, when I heard we're moving up to three, I was in real shock. And so I'm thinking, well, well it's got to be for one of the quarterbacks or somebody's going to trade two to somebody and they're going to pick somebody else. Because it's, it's got to be for one of the top two quarterbacks. That was my so rumors coming out of the rumors coming out of San Francisco and, and they could just be that it could just be smoke and mirrors it could be rumors but the rumors there that that Kyle Shanahan loves Mac Jones Kyle Shanahan Mac Jones seems to be his guy and if San Francisco gave up three first round picks 
to move up to three to draft Mac Jones. What is your react? What, what as a as a fan of the 49ers, what would your reaction be if on draft night Mac Jones is your first overall pick? Is your first round pick? I'm sorry. I am going to ask you if you have a um, a 4x um, Atlanta Falcons jersey. <laughs> so uh, let me let me ask you. Okay, so what if? And and I said this earlier. I was going. I was going over the trade. I was going over the trade, and I said I hate the trade for San Francisco if the if the selection is Matt Jones. I don't mind the trade if the selection is Trey Lance, and you're drafting Trey Lance to sit for a year, learn the terminology, learn Shanahan what Shanahan wants to do, and he sits behind Jimmy G for a year. Are you just as upset if they moved up to draft Trey Lance? Um, uh, or is it, is it the same nonetheless you don't like the uh, the decision to move up at all? Uh, for, for Trey Lance or Fields, I would be okay with because I feel like they could, they could use the time to sit behind Garoppolo and learn maybe a year, a year and a half. But if it's Mac Jones, he's already sort of a celebrated finished product just based on what, you know, Mel Kuyper and... Uh, I, uh, so Mac Jones, I, I think Mac Jones has peaked. I don't think Mac Jones is going to get any better than he already is. And that's my my thought. Um, I remember Mel, uh, ESPN, saying that some of the analysts over there saying he had gotten as much as he's going to get, as high as he's going to get, he's reached his potential. And I'm like, well, that's why I didn't want him because he can't grow if he's reached his potential. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Now, I, I, I'm going to say this. I don't think it's Justin Fields. Justin Fields doesn't play like Shanahan's typical quarterback. I don't think Justin Fields is, is a Shanahan-type quarterback. So I don't think the pick is Justin Fields. I think it's going to be one of those two quarterbacks. And if you're reading the tea leaves out of San Francisco, it's it's Mac Jones. But you, so you and I have talked, you had an interesting idea for what you would like San Francisco to do at three. So tell the, the rest of the listeners, if you're the GM, if you were John Lynch, who are you taking at three uh, that you moved up to go get? Yes, if I was the GM of... 49ers, I would draft Pitts, the, the tight end from Florida. And you, I know as you told me that the drafts uh, Shanahan only runs a one tight end scheme, Pitts was two. Well, I was thinking of Pitts are more of an athlete, could probably play, play wide receiver in, in that system as the third wide receiver with um, Ayuk and uh, Samuel. And yeah. he fit perfectly. He's more of a Samuels. He's more of a bolden uh, type wide receiver, physical. And from the games of Florida, he was a big difference in their offensive scheme. I mean, he made Trask look like uh, Joe Montana when they played. Trask, uh, Trask was, was a Heisman my... candidate because mainly just because of Kyle Pitts. So yeah. I, it's like I said, I've told you this. I That 49ers offense would be interesting to watch with Kyle Pitts and George Kittle on the field together, with Mostert, with Ayuk, with Debo. 
I don't think it's happening. I don't. I've. I never saw Shanahan run two tight ends at, at in Atlanta. Uh, I don't remember him running two tight ends in Washington, in Houston. I don't think the picks. I, I don't think it's Kyle. Pitt. I think Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch moved up to go get a quarterback. My fear for 49ers fans is that that quarterback is Matt Jones, and I think if you're moving up to draft Matt Jones, you might as well just play Garoppolo because they're the same quarterback. <laughs> They're not any yeah, different. That's, exactly. That's exactly my point. I've been on the message boards. People are optimistic about it. They're like, well, this guy took Alabama to a championship. And I said, look at who he had around him in Alabama. It's the same uh, group of weapons that Tua had and Tua excelled with. So And Tua got to Miami and did not look like – I mean, let's be honest. Tua didn't look like a – all pro quarterback last year. No, he looked like he was confused. I think, <laughs> I, I think if you're drafting, I, I, the the my problem with Mac Jones is that, and I don't know if you heard me earlier. Mac Jones, did Mac Jones make everybody else better, or did everyone make Mac Jones better? And the same, and and the comp for me to Mac Jones is a combination of Tua Tagovailoa, who you saw at, at Alabama with the same guys, put up big numbers just like Mac Jones did, and then got to the pros and looked overwhelmed and overmatched. So he looks like a combination to me of Mac Jones, of Tua Tagovailoa and Ken Dorsey when Ken Dorsey was at Miami. And, and Ken Dorsey had all-pro wide receivers, and he had an all-pro NFL offensive line and an all-pro defense. And he, because he was the quarterback, kind of got a lot of recognition out of being the quarterback of that Miami team. I, I just don't think Mac Jones made everyone better. I think I think I don't think Mac Jones took that team to the national championship. I think everyone around him took that team to the national championship. I agree, and I hate the the fact this morning I was watching. That network again in the first person because they Shanty played with this dude a lot and had probably the most success as a coach. The first comp that they bring up is your quarterback, the Atlanta Foxes, Matt Ryan. I just I gave. I, see that I just. I just gave everyone who compares the two of them an F. I, I just right before I called yeah. you. Every, Thank you, Matt Ryan. <laughs> Matt Ryan. <laughs> And this is my this is and I, I said it earlier. Matt Ryan made Boston College a national championship contender. Matt Ryan didn't go to Alabama. Matt Ryan didn't have a Jalen Waddle. Matt Ryan didn't have a Devonte Smith, a Najee Harris, a, an offensive line with three NFL players on it. He didn't have that. He had Boston College talent. The second best player on that team, uh, I believe, was Keekley. But he was playing linebacker on the other side, so that doesn't help Matt Ryan at all. Like, so Matt Ryan didn't have the weapons and the tools that Mac Jones had at Alabama, and yet they put up similar numbers. <laughs> exactly. And, and Matt Ryan had out-of-this-world anticipation. He didn't have the greatest athleticism, but he had everything that a quarterback of his skill is supposed to have. And like you said, he made everybody better at Boston College. He took them to everybody's uh, 
take Matt, uh, Bob to college is like Doug Flutie. No, not anymore, Matt Ryan. Because Matt Ryan elevated them in the ACC to something that they could have never been with them, I mean, before or after. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I, 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 I don't like that comp at all. I more I see the comparison. So so I've seen Mac Jones and Matt Ryan comparisons, and I've seen Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins comparisons. It it seems like it seems like everyone's trying to compare Mac Jones to one of Shanahan's previous quarterbacks uh, to make it make sense. Um, I I don't see it. Like I said, Mac Jones had. Mac Jones. It wasn't like Mac Jones had to throw with antis or throw guys open. Uh, Devontae Smith was breaking ankles and getting open on his own. Jalen Waddle pre-injury was getting open on his own. You had to stack the box to stop Najee Harris from running all over you, a la Derrick Henry. So Matt Ryan didn't have this type of talent around him until he got to Atlanta, obviously. But in college. I, I agree with you. I don't like the comparison. I do like your idea of maybe selecting Kyle Pitts, but I I, I, I don't think Shanahan's going to do that. I do think it's a trade-up to get a quarterback. I, for your sake and for 49ers fans' sake, I hope it's Trey Lance. Trey Lance makes sense. You have Garoppolo on the team. Trey Lance can, can learn for a year um, and, then, and then come in and play next year. Um... But if you're drafting Mac Jones, you might as well just play Garoppolo. It just doesn't it doesn't make sense. I understand and the 49ers are a quarterback away. They're they're a quarterback away. If you were gonna and here's the other thing, and I and I and, and everything that's going on personally aside, if you were willing to make this deal to go get Mac Jones, why were you not willing to make this deal to go get Deshaun Watson? Like you, you, you gave up all of this to go get, or, or even you could have given up less to go get Sam Darnold. Who's a California, California guy. Do you, do, do you say that Darnold's a bust or, or is it the Jets fault that he, he's not as good as he was supposed to be I, I don't know but you could have given up maybe a second round pick to go get Sam Darnold and and kept all of your picks for the next three years I I just don't understand I don't I, I get it like you said I get it if you're you're making this deal to move up to one and, and you can take Trevor Lawrence uh, I, I don't think Matt Jones makes the 49ers any more or less of a Super Bowl contender than Jimmy Garoppolo does. And what you did was mortgage yeah. your future for a guy who doesn't move the needle. Agreed. I mean, I, it's, it's kind of sad because <laughs> what, what makes it even worse is, you know, okay, well, maybe some people are saying, well, maybe he could, Matt Jones could sit behind Garoppolo. And then I'm like, just a couple minutes ago, I don't know if you kept in touch with it, but I just looked at some Twitter reports for some people that uh, in, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and they're reporting that 
Garoppolo was informed by Shanahan right after the trade was made. He was very much disappointed. Oh, if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, there's no way I want to come back to San Francisco. Because this isn't the first exactly. time this isn't the first time this has happened to Jimmy Garoppolo. They were ready to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo last year. And granted, it's to get Tom Brady, who's I, I, I'm not. This is it's comparing apples to Oldsmobiles. But if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you have to like how many times does this have to happen to you before you're like I don't want to play for this team anymore? Especially when you can go back to New England who seems like they're going back to their two tight end 12 personnel set, which he was, he thrived in. If I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm not reporting to camp. I'm holding out. I'm asking to be traded. I'm, I, I don't want to be there anymore. And I will genuinely be shocked. And I will give Jimmy Garoppolo all the credit in the world. If Jimmy Garoppolo reports and, and, because I think at this point it's clear and evident they don't want you. <laughs> like that's that's kind of how I look at it. It's it's very clear they don't want you here. So why do you keep coming back? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and the reports did surprise me, and I'm like, well, he needs to really just tell them trade me now. <laughs> I, I mean, and and you know what? It, but the problem is, so here's the problem with San Francisco saying trade me now. Or, or trying to trade Jimmy Garoppolo now. San Francisco, by making this move first, destroyed all of, if there was any, Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value. Like, if if you could, let's say hypothetically, you could have gotten a third round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, probably from New England. Well, now, it's not like, I mean, it's, pretty clear and evident that you're taking a quarterback at three, you destroyed your own trade value for your trade chip by making this move first. (laughs) Exactly. Because now people are going to be like, well, is is there really something wrong with him? I mean, he's already been hurt a lot over the past year, so. The best ability is availability. Yeah. I mean, that's his big thing, and I think that's why you know, San Francisco's made the move, but I mean, like you said, the trade value is messed up now. So they've destroyed. They destroyed any. If Jimmy G had any trade value, San Francisco killed it on their own, like with nobody's help. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, man, I, I just wanted to have you on. I, I, I wanted a 49ers fan opinion. Um, I, I do think that the third, your team picking third and my team picking fourth are probably going to be the two most interesting picks of the draft. Because I think now, I, 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 don't, I never thought Atlanta was taking a quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But now I think if, if you are one of, I mean, there's going to be a quarterback run to start the draft. And if, and my thing is this, if San Francisco takes Mac Jones, that means if there's a team that fell in love with Trey Lance at his pro day or fell in love with Justin Fields, both of those guys are going to be available at four because I think the Jets are taking Wilson. And and 
the Jaguars are definitely taking Lawrence. Um, so Atlanta is in a position to trade back and get quite a bit of draft capital, depending on how far back they want to move. Um, I think the third and the fourth pick could really shape the rest of the draft, especially if San Francisco takes Mac Jones. Yep. Uh, Let me ask you a team. Do you think Atlanta would trade that pick to the Panthers? So, I, you know, I've I've heard, I've heard a lot of people say you don't want to make that trade with the Panthers because you don't want to potentially give Carolina a, a franchise quarterback, which I understand. At the same time, if you can get a package similar to the one that San Francisco just gave Miami, well, yeah, you gave them, you gave them a quarterback. Fine. But you also took their next three first-round picks. So what are they going to have other than that quarterback? Um, because by the time they have a first-round pick again, you're going to have other guys that you got to pay. You're going to have to pay Brian Burns. You're going to have to pay Derek Brown. You're going to have to pay uh, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. Like All of those guys are going to have to be paid by the, t- the next time around that Carolina has a first-round pick. So would I make the deal with Carolina? I, I, it wouldn't bother me that Carolina is in my division, um, especially if the quarterbacks that are on the board. Now, but but I see, I, have a, I don't think Justin Fields is going to be that great in the NFL. So if I, if I believe that Carolina is trading up to get Justin Fields, oh, I'm running to the podium to make that trade. Absolutely. Sure. Give me three first. You go ahead and take Justin Fields. That's fine with me. Go ahead. Like go go ahead. And I I do think now the 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 caveat to that is is I think I do believe that Trey Lance is going to be a good quarterback. I think Trey Lance, whichever team ends up with him, will end up having a solid NFL quarterback. But I do think it will take a year to two years before you see that that talent really come to fruition. I, I think I don't think he's going to step in immediately and take the league by storm. I think it's going to take him some time. But the the tool he, he's a very raw prospect, and if you can mold him into an NFL quarterback, the talent is there. So. If I thought Carolina was taking Trey Lance, maybe it would be a little bit different. But regardless, if they're going to give me three first-round picks, uh, some third-round picks to rebuild my roster, well, now I can just take guys to stop your all-pro quarterback. Because if you trade back, if if Atlanta trades with Carolina and moves back to eight, well, now I'm in position to take Patrick Sertan, uh Micah Parsons, like defensive stoppers. And so if I have the defensive guys to stop your all-pro quarterback, well, then it, it balanced each other out. Um, so I wouldn't mind to make that deal with Carolina. I really wouldn't. Um, I, I know I'm probably in the minority. There's a lot of Falcons fans that, that don't want to trade with Carolina. Um, there's a lot of Denver fans that want to trade with Atlanta, but I don't know... I don't think Denver and George Patton is going to give up 
at that much. I think it. I think if Carolina really wants one of those guys, I think because Atlanta is in the division, they can charge more. They can, they can ask for more in return, because it, it they play in the same division, which I think could play to Atlanta's yeah. advantage. Hey, I was gonna, I was gonna say Atlanta should make that move. Would have made should make that move immediately. Is you gonna get three first rounders? And a bunch of a plethora of, of, of draft picks because Carolina is going to do the same. The San Francisco is going to or deal with their with their picks. And my thing, I mean, yeah, that's what Carolina is going to have to offer something similar, and pay for the fact that it's within the division. Like they're going to have to, like Atlanta's going to be able to ask for more because, well, hey, we'll make this move, we'll, we'll make this deal with you, but we still have to play you twice a year, so we're going to need something. Because we have to play you twice a year, <laughs> like so. I think that works out in Atlanta's advantage too. But yeah. Anyway, man, I appreciate you coming back on the podcast. Uh, I'm. Uh, I may have to have live. I may do. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll do a podcast on draft night and go to you live after the third pick is made. <laughs> If you're crying, we'll know. If you're crying, we'll know who the who who made the pick. Yeah, I'll be ordering a uh, Falcon gear. Oh right. Hey, there's room on the bandwagon, man. Come on. But anyway, oh, I appreciate you coming back on. You have a great rest of your night, man. You too. All right. So that was Coach Smith. Right. That's Coach Smith. He's coach with me. Uh, big 49ers guy. He like I is not a fan of Mac Jones. Just not a fan of Mac Jones. The lesson for today is that, y'all, I think fundamental basketball is returning. All of your Elite Eight teams play fundamental, team-oriented, ball-movement, defensive-minded basketball. Your favorites are dominant on both sides of the ball. Those being Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor, dominant on both sides of the basketball. Gonzaga seems to only win games by double digits, and they do it through ball movement, constant movement. It's not stagnant. It's not ISO basketball. And they have the guy that if you were going to run ISO sets, you could do that with, and Mark Few doesn't do that. Jawan Howard draws up beautiful sets for his big guys. Um, constantly moving the basketball. Guys constantly moving. No stagnants. Baylor is the same way, but they also are very intense on the deep. They're just as dialed in on the defensive end as they are on the offensive end. And that's the same can be said for every team that is in the Elite Eight. Every team that is in the Elite Eight. USC is another team that has a guy, Evan Mobley, that you could run ISO sets for. Yet... They don't do it. And as a coach, the return of fundamental basketball is a beautiful, lovely, wonderful thing to see. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, and so as we continue to watch the Elite Eight and see who's going to be into the Final Four, um... I, you're going to see good fundamental basketball. You're going to see uh, teams that care on both the offensive 
and defensive side. So it's going to be a great next two days of basketball to see who's going to be in the final four. Uh, my predictions for you now at this point, I mean, my 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 bracket is absolutely busted. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go with Houston. I, I love their style of play. They're very intense on the defensive end. I think they got that scare from Rutgers and have seemed to have been dialed in since then. I think eventually Oregon State's run has to come to an end. Um, the other game for today, I think it's going to be Baylor. Um, Arkansas uh, is eventually going to run out of lives. They 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 should have lost multiple times at this point. <clears throat> um, I think the best game is going to be Gonzaga and USC. Um, I think the Mobley brothers uh, and the the length on the inside for USC will will give Gonzaga problems. But again, too much talent for Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga moves on. Um, UCLA, you know, I picked again. I didn't think they were going to win their first four matchup. I didn't think, I did think they would win in the following round against BYU, but I didn't think they would win anymore after that. They've gotten to the Elite Eight. They <clears throat> playing inspiring basketball. Um, this one is, is interesting to me. Michigan still playing without one of their best players. Uh, but I just think Jawan Howard is, is proven to be a great coach. My prediction for y'all very early on is I think Jawan Howard is an NBA coach next year. I think there's an NBA team that's going to make him an offer that he absolutely can't refuse, and he jumps to the NBA. But give me Michigan. Give me Gonzaga. Give me Houston. Give me Baylor. I know it's chalk. I picked all the favorites, but I... I just, I just don't see it. Uh, Houston's style of play on both ends of the ball, I think, will overwhelm Oregon State. Oregon State's essentially been playing elimination games for a month now, uh, and that's got to be exhausting and tiring, and, and eventually that's going to catch up to you. I think the Cougars take out the Beavers. I think the Bears take out the Razorbacks. That's the one that I don't think is going to be close. I think Baylor is going to blow out Arkansas. I think Gonzaga and USC is going to be close until – um, late in the second half, and I think Gonzaga is eventually going to start to pull away, especially if they're able to get Mobley into foul trouble. Um, and then I think Michigan and UCLA is going to be very, very entertaining. I think UCLA is going to keep it close, but I think Michigan ultimately has too much talent um, and is going to win that game as well. But finally, let's figure out who's got detention. You've Got Detention is brought to you by the Marlin vs. Marlin podcast. Those guys are the reason that this podcast exists. Uh, we had Marlin on last week. This is his favorite segment. So, Urban Meyer, you got detention. Yes, you got detention because y you came out and you said the Jaguars are leaning towards drafting Trevor Lawrence. Oh, really? Really, you're leaning towards drafting Trevor Lawrence. You're leaning towards drafting maybe the greatest prospect to come into the NFL draft since Peyton Manning, since Andrew Luck. You're leaning towards taking that guy. Man, get out of here. You just straighten up. Just say it. Just We're taking Trevor Lawrence. Everyone knows you're taking Trevor Lawrence. And if you don't take Trevor Lawrence, it will be the biggest mistake in the history of football draft ever. Ever. So Urban Meyer, you got detention. 
since you're leaning towards taking Trevor Lawrence, you just want to lie to the whole world. You're going to try and throw up smoke screens. You're going to try and convince someone that you're not taking Trevor Lawrence. Get out of here, man. Get out of here. Ain't nobody got time for that. You got detention for your tomfoolery. Nobody, ain't nobody trying to hear all that. Bye, Felicia. Everyone knows you're drafting Trevor Lawrence. Stop trying to trick me now. That's all I got for y'all today. If you're in the Sunset Beach, Myrtle Beach region, and you need a place to stay, look for Diamonds and Pearls on VRBO. Proud sponsor of the Sports School Podcast. Mention the Sports School Podcast, uh, and I do believe you can get a discount. Uh, or reach out to me, and I will try to get you the discount myself. Um, shout out to Evan Tanner. He's the reason that I have this microphone. My audio issues uh, have been less bad since the the podcast first began. Shout out again to Marlon versus Marlon. They're the reason that this podcast exists. We're going to get a simulcast with those guys um, closer to the NFL draft. That date I will give to you guys as soon as I know. Um, and Thursday, last last Thursday, we had Little Marlin. Next, this coming up Thursday, we're going to have Big Marlin for uh, a guest. We're going to get his side of how that works. Um, I appreciate all the support. Like, share, spread. Get everyone to subscribe. Hey, Coach Davidson is out.